0: Well let's, uh, we're con- let's look, continue to look at the, uh, at the re- resurrection and of course we look at the- we're looking at the gospel really and uh, today I'd like to talk to you about the, uh, the one sign Jesus gave to his critics. They were people always asking for signs. Of course, you know, at least the unbelievers were, and the spiritual leaders. They were saying, "Give us a sign that you really are who you claim claim to be." And I got to tell you, I really like this little this little thing here. Uh, if 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 you were, oops, I'm sorry, I just did something wrong, Kim. Let me did, go back here. Okay, I got it. it it's me. It's, it's me. It's not Kim. Uh, uh, if if you were waiting for a sign, this is it. Okay, I love that. Isn't that cool? I wish we had one out in front of our church. Yeah, isn't that cool? that did get people's attention. But um, Jesus, he did give, he only gave one sign to his critics and we want to talk about that today. It's in Matthew chapter 12 and we'll, we'll look at it a little, little bit later, okay? But uh, we're going to look at uh, here, um, I hope some things that will challenge your thinking and uh, particularly when it comes to heresy. Have you ever heard that word heresy? You know, what is heresy? What is heresy? What is heresy? Um, it's when you pluck a single strand of hair from your head and you say, here is a hair. See? That's how you can remember it. That's how you can remember it. Yeah, and so you just pull that, that strand of hair and you show somebody, here's a hair, see? No, a, a heresy is when uh, someone, um, someone, creates, someone creates their own truth and proposes that it's truer than the truth of God. That's what a heresy is. Um... Her- heretics are always wanting to find something more true than truth. That's what heresy and that's what, her- that's what heretics do. God's word simply isn't enough. And, loved ones, over the last 2,000 years since Jesus uh, ascended back to heaven, um, there's been various, I mean, lots and lots of heresies regarding the exact nature, for example, of who Jesus was or who he is. And they have abounded in, uh, in two extremes. There's always two extremes when it comes to these these heresies about who Jesus was and who he is. And again, a heresy is any teaching that is at odds with a particular doctrine of God. It's at odds with it. And um, regarding the personhood of Jesus, for example, uh, let's just look at a couple um, of these extremes that they go in opposite directions, okay? The first one is this, and it's, it's, a, it's really a serious one. The first heresy that really combated the, uh, the early church, first century, uh, was this thing that Jesus was, was only human and he was uh, not excuse me, I got, that's the second one. The first one is that Jesus was God, but only in spirit, that he didn't actually come in the human flesh. Now, that seems weird to us, but that was a big deal back in the early church. Uh, it was called deceitism. And Jesus just seemed to have a human body like, like, like ours. Second John uh, uh, chapter 1 verse 7 John said this I say this because many deceivers have gone out into, into the world there was actually people in the church that started preaching this thing that Jesus didn't, was not human he was not human being and um, he said many deceivers have gone out from us because the apostles put a stop to it they deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist so this heresy that teaches that Jesus was not human. Is Antichrist. That's, uh, that's, that's what makes up Antichrist. The other heresy is this. The other heresy is, is, is this one here. Is that Jesus was only human. And not divine. So we go the other extreme. That Jesus was only human and not divine. And this was the issue that ultimately led to his crucifixion by the way because he claimed to be divine his claim to being the son of god it provided the high priest caiaphas uh, the opportunity to accuse jesus of blasphemy and that he said you are now worthy of crucifixion remember when they arrested jesus they were trying to come up with a charge trying to find some sort of a law he had broken. And they couldn't get the witnesses to agree on anything because you're supposed to have at least two or three witnesses. And then Caiaphas just comes right out. Well, in fact, I've got, I've got the scripture here for you. And we can read the account in Matthew 20. He, he says, but Jesus remained silent as Caiaphas is asking all these questions. Caiaphas, again, is a high priest. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus replied, You have said it, and in the future you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand, and get this, coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, Blasphemy, why do we need other witnesses? You have all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they shouted. He deserves to die. So they, they found the one charge, there was only one charge they could, they could uh, get against Jesus, was this charge, or there was this, his claim that he was God. That he was God. I think it's really interesting here that Jesus told Caiaphas, you're going to see me coming in the clouds. Now, Caiaphas has been dead for a couple thousand, oh, not quite two thousand years, but he's been dead. He had a Terrible death, a horrible death. And uh, when, Rome, uh, when Rome came in and sacked Jerusalem in, in AD 70, and um, yeah, had a terrible, a terrible death, the Romans killed him. But, but uh, Jesus said, Caiaphas, someday, you know, you asked me if I was the son of God, and it's just as you said, and you will see me coming in the clouds. So Caiaphas is going to rise from the dead and see Jesus coming in the clouds. It will be after the righteous rise, rise, rise from the dead, and after we who are still living will be will rise and meet Christ. But then the next ones to rise will be the wicked, you know, the wicked dead, and Caiaphas will be among them and we will see Jesus coming in the clouds. Wherever he's at, <laughs> wherever his dust is, wherever his molecules are, he will suddenly get some sort of body and he'll rise and he'll see Jesus coming in the clouds. And I'm sure these words will come back to his mind. He will know what Jesus said to him during, his, during this trial. He'll know that Jesus is the Son of God for sure. In fact, in 1 John here, 1 John tells us this. He says, and who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ or Christ means the Messiah or the anointed one. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Jesus also, he used two titles for himself. He used a couple a a, a title of divinity where he actually called himself the Son of God in in John chapter 10 verse 36. That's where he claimed to be the Son of God. But the one that he used the most, the one that he used the most was a title of humanity. uh, One where he said that he called himself the Son of Man. And it was a clear reference to uh, a Messiah verse in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, let me, let me read that to you, i got it here for you also, where Daniel said, as my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one, which would be the father on the throne, the, you know, almighty God, the ancient one, and was led into his presence. He was given authority and honor and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that People of every tribe and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. He will never end. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. That was a popular Messiah text during the days of Jesus. And so Jesus took that title, Son of Man, which referred to the Messiah coming, and said, I'm he. I'm, I'm, I'm the Messiah. And that's why he called himself the Son of Man all the time. All the time, he called him, he referred himself the Son of Man more than more than he did the Son of God. But he referred himself as both. So, Jesus, if he isn't fully divine and if he isn't fully human, loved ones, let me tell you, his death on the cross is null and void, and not to mention his resurrection is, is, a, is nothing but a big hoax, and so is our salvation. There is a movement in the church uh, today to make Jesus more like us just simply to take away His divinity and make Him simply more human like us. I mean, there is a teaching where it talks about how Jesus was a sinner, that He sinned just like we do. You know? Um, Trying to make Jesus so people will feel like they can identify with Him more. Um, They focus so much on His human nature that, again, He's no longer divine. And these heretics are saying that Jesus was just a great moral teacher he was just a great teacher a nice person and that word nice you know that that really i would like to have that on your tombstone he was nice you know i i, you know, I hope becky doesn't do that to me i don't think she will but uh, you know you know what, you want to say what does that mean you were nice <laughs> yeah I know. I think you know this. In the in the old in the old English, it means ignorant. <laughs> the word "nice" actually means ignorant. <laughs> but uh, it's changed today in modern English. It means, I guess, you're just a pleasant person or something. But, but uh, um, you know, Jesus, the, the, he was a nice guy who turned the other cheek and loved his enemies. And and you want to say, how can you reconcile that with all the claims that Jesus made about himself? You know he either he's either who he claimed to be, you know the god man he's either he's either God and fully God and fully man, or he is a lunatic you either got you can't have him he's just a nice guy uh, Anyone who makes the claims that Jesus you know did uh, he and, and he has to either back it up or he's, or he's crazy, you know. I've noticed many times over the last many years, and uh, I think we may have mentioned this before, um, that uh, we've been spared in Burn terrible thunderstorms. Have you ever noticed? Uh, I'm sure you have. If you look at the radar, you know you know a storm is coming, and you think, "Oh, good, we're going to get rain." You know, you know, you know, we need rain, and it gets to uh, gets to the city gets to the city limits over here on the on the west side, and some, something happens, and it. It splits and it goes around us. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, That is the weirdest thing. I tell you that happens. I'm going to tell you it has happens more times than storms come. It is weird how that happens. And I I know I was told it's called the burn bubble. (laughs) I've I've noticed uh, uh, something about bubbles too, and I'm talking about myself. That sometimes I get to living in a bubble when it comes to what's going on around me in the community or the world. I, I sometimes talk to my sister, my aunt, about this, that, you know, you guys need to open the door and, and open your eyes and see what's happening around you, what's going on in the schools, what's going on in government, what's going on in culture, so that you, you just aren't, um, you know, walking around, you know, um, Eating, drinking, and be merry, and not realizing that the world 's burning down, you know what I mean the world 's burning down around us and and we have to we, we don 't want to I, you know i, I guess it 's okay to live in a bubble for a while. these bubbles of ignorance regarding what 's happening in the American church, but boy we need to we need to not you know get in that habit um, I know bubbles ignorance bubbles exist everywhere, and i 've and I've been in them too before, so I'm, not, uh, I'm just saying that we need to be aware of it and ask God to help us to open our eyes to see what's happening around us. You know, many Christians today, they don't even believe, I guess you call them Christians, they don't even believe that Jesus' resurrection matters. It's just something we do once a year at Easter time. You know, we have Good Friday, and then we have Saturday, which is kind of depressing because we're thinking about Jesus in the grave. And then we have Easter, and that's a happy day. And then we don't think about it again till the next March or April. You know, that, that East that the resurrection is doesn't really matter that much. Uh, honest scholars would agree that Jesus he made some pretty radical claims uh, about himself. Um, this is this is a danger for me, is that. You know, a, a person who is used to handling dynamite uh, or nitroglycerin or anything that is explosive, the, the, the job hazard they have is that they would get so used to working with it that they get careless with it. You know, you're just so used to it, and it's never blown up before. You know, and that one of my problems as a minister is that I handle spiritual things all the time, so, so, so to speak. And I cannot, I have to ask God, Lord, help me not to become so familiar with spiritual things that they become just routine. You know? They just become routine. That's the job, job hazard. And when you read about who Jesus is, He made these radical statements about himself. That he was the resurrection and the life. He made these radical statements about no one can come to God except through him. I mean, some radical things that we have been so used to hearing that we have kind of forgotten. Those were so radical to the people who heard him for the first time. Wow. They were so radical to Caiaphas that he blew his stack and, you you know, condemned Jesus to death, you know. But, um... I had asked ask the Lord, you know, Lord, help me to see Jesus as He really is—how radical and, if you will, extreme He is. Uh, we kind of like to keep Him subdued. We kind of like to make Him okay. He—he he looks like us, you know. He's—he's he's sensible. You know, and he, you know, and uh, I think it's what Peter thought. You know, Jesus, you know, you talked about that extreme thing of going to die on the cross. You know, you know, uh, no, let, let's not, let's keep, no, 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 we we don't want to do that. And Jesus just came right back and blasted him. You know what he did? He told him, said, "Get behind me, Satan," because Jesus, he knows to do the will of God. Sometimes there, it, it does look radical. That is, uh, it's a determined fight against evil and to accomplish God's will at times. Jesus would be labeled, I think, insane today by the left media because he thought of himself as having, first of all, this intimate relationship with an invisible God. And second of all, he also believed that he had been chosen by God to bring about this new spiritual kingdom that was going to fill the whole earth. His whole, his, he, and Mark tells us, Mark 3, that his family heard him preaching like this and they said, the guy's lost his mind. We've got to go get him. And they tried to go take Jesus back home because they thought Jesus had gone loony. You know, in Mark chapter 3, you can read about it, three twenty to 21. And thirdly, Jesus believed himself to be a miracle worker and a conqueror of demons, and he did. He, he backed it up. He did do miracles, and he did overthrow demons in people's lives. So the critics boldly asked him, hey, if you really are who you claim to be, then show us a sign. Show us a sign that you really are. That you back up what you're saying. Prove prove to us that you really are the Messiah. And Jesus said, I'll give you a sign. You know, he usually, wouldn't give a, he usually didn't give signs. He didn't play circus. He didn't play magic. He didn't do magic tricks, that kind of thing. But he said, I will give you a sign. Well, let's just see what he said. And this is our text today. So one day some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus. I think I'll read it with you. I'm over here. One day some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want to show us, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. That was just a, a, euphemism, a way of saying over a period of three days. The people of Nineveh will stand up against the gen, this generation on judgment day and condemn it. For they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. The Queen of Sheba will also stand up against this generation on Judgment Day. She was the one that visited Solomon, you remember? And she'll stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it. For she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. So what did Jesus say would be the sign that would elevate him, that would substantiate all of his radical claims <laughs> that he would rise from the dead, his death and re- resurrection that's what that's what he 's saying to these critics. loved like ones, if Jesus didn 't rise from the dead, that makes him a false teacher, and we shouldn 't follow him but if he did rise from the dead, that proves he really is all the radical things that he claimed to be. Divine and human. The God-man. I don't understand how he can do it, but he did it. He's God and, and he's fully, fully human, fully divine. And that's, uh, this is what gave the first Christians something. The first Christians there, when they heard this message, they, they really thought about it because of this. The resurrection, loved ones, the heart of the gospel is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is. It's the heart of it. You may recall from last Sunday that the biggest theory against the, res- the resurrection of Jesus today, there's lots, been lots of theories over the, over the last uh, you know, 2,000 years, but the biggest one today we have is this thing called mythicism. Mythicism. That is the, that's the big one today. Mythicism is this... Um, Theory that our woke elites are claiming—elites, excuse me—are claiming that Jesus never actually existed. How do you prove George Washington existed? Well, we have paintings. Well, yeah, but do you—you know—you uh, uh, don't have any photographs. Um, well, we have his writings. Well, how do you know that that was him? You know, how is it? Re- you know. That's how people think today. Well, how do we really know Jesus existed? Well, the only way to know that Jesus existed, of course, historically, is to look back at ancient records, authentic records, you know, particularly from Rome and also particularly from the New Testament writers. Amen. Um, but the elites today are simply saying that Jesus, he never actually existed. He's just a myth, kind of like Santa Claus, kind of like the tooth fairy. I just say a thing for the Tooth Fairy for a minute here. Uh, you know what? I think my kids still wonder about the existence of the Tooth Fairy because all the years they found a dollar in, underneath their pillows, not once did they ever catch me doing it. Yeah. I think I, 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 think I still got them fooled now on, on that one. But um, we, we saw last Sunday uh, that myth-making is simply ridiculous. The, the skeptics are writing some, some really... Um, if, if you will some academic attempts today at discrediting Jesus his resurrection and his early followers um, over and over again the disciples claimed that they saw Jesus and those are from authentic historical records there's more records for the New Testament for the Bible than any other ancient document there's thousands of copies of, 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 the, of, the, of, the, of the scriptures that uh, prove their authenticity <clears throat> Peter preached in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost that God foretold through King David that the Messiah would rise from the dead. And Peter said, hey guys, listen. The Bible said, King David said that Jesus would rise from the dead. And guys, we saw it. We've seen Jesus. And as Peter was preaching to the crowd, he said, we've seen him. We've seen him. It's true. What the scripture has has." prophesied has come true we have seen him all four of the gospel writers you know uh, they agree that it was the women who supported Jesus in his ministry when he was alive on earth that it was those same women who were the first ones to witness the empty tomb all four writers testify to that that it was those women who saw the empty tomb and Luke even gets really specific about it and said there was at least five women and then gives the names of three of them there were two Marys and Joanna so there's a lot of specific details about, a lot of, a lot of uh, specific information that backs up the authenticity of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus had run-ins with spiritual leaders uh, known as the Sadducees who, who didn't believe in the res- resurrection. And uh, one, one day in Matthew chapter 22, uh, the Sadducees, they tried to trick Jesus with this uh, question about death and marriage and, you know, the resurrection, marriage in heaven and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus just point blankly tells them that they're ignorant. You know, he said, you guys are ignorant. Uh, you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. But when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they're going to be like the angels in heaven. But now as to whether there will be a resurrection of the dead. Haven't you ever read about this in the scriptures? Long ago, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died. God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead. Jesus taught that Abraham is still alive with God. And that someday he's going to be raised from the dead. Well, the ones that... The Promise of resurrection is in the Old Testament as well. Let's just look at this quickly. It's in the Old Testament as well. The prophet Ezekiel, remember, in chapter thirty-seven, verses one to fourteen, he talks about how he saw a vision of dry bones. They were just bones scattered over this valley, and they suddenly came together, and they had they were they became uh, they had uh, be, then they re- regained the, you know their flesh. They became living persons. Uh, Isaiah talks about it here and. Verse, in chapter 26, verse 19, But those who die in the Lord will live, their bodies will rise again, those who sleep in the earth. Daniel 12:2. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. And Jesus taught... Uh, that the righteous and the wicked will be resurrected. In John here, John chapter chapter 5, he says this, he says, Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Hmm. In July 1813, John Adams wrote to Thomas Jefferson. They both were going to be they would would both die I think about what was it maybe 13 years later or so. Uh, They would die on the 4th of July um, same day. Um, I think um, Jefferson died in the morning and Adams died in the evening but this was in 1813 Uh, John Adams wrote to Thomas Jefferson and they they became friends they were actually kind of enemies they weren't really on good speaking terms when uh, the country was first founded back in 1776. But, but by 1813, they had become pretty good friends. And this is what Adams wrote to Thomas Jefferson. He said, my friend, you and I have passed our lives in serious times. I know not whether we have, have ever seen any moments more serious than the present. There was lots of things going on in 1813 that even then was threatening to dissolve the United States of America. There was some fights going on between states and things like that. My, my prayer is that is this, is that the Lord will help me to see the reality of the seriousness of these days right now in history. Just like Adams wrote to Thomas Jefferson. You know, these are serious times, Tom that we're going through. And um, I was talking to one of our pastors at Men's Retreat who really uh, has a serious passion for uh, biblical doctrine, biblical truth, and, and uh, he's been a Nazarene longer than I have. But he shared with me, he said, he's alarmed at what he sees happening in our own denomination. Again, he's seen more than I've seen, but, but he says this. He said, he sees a storm coming from three different fronts in our own denomination, he said, there's the conservative traditional front, which I would say probably were part of that front here at Mount Hope. He said, then there's also the, there's the woke social justice front. And there's also the heresy front. The heresy front with extreme supernatural unbiblical claims. Kind of that, that weird charismaticism stuff. That's starting to rise up in the Nazarene Church. Apparently, loved ones, we must be more rooted and grounded in God's Word than ever before. We don't want to be bubbleized. We want to. We don't want to be. We must be careful not to take comfort in thinking that we're on the conservative front. We, you know, what I get concerned about because I'm a. Cons- I I have that tendency to be more. uh, fundamental and you know conservative it was that church in the book of Revelation chapter 2 the church at Ephesus it concerns me that they were conservative and yet Jesus said "Uh, something's missing it's almost like you've known me so long you've gotten so familiar with me maybe my maybe my claims are no longer radical to you, but your love has lost a passion that it used to have. I pray about that. I say, Lord, oh God, please help me to continue to see by your Holy Spirit how radical Jesus is, how uniquely different he is than anybody else, than any other religion, any other philosophy. Help me, Lord, to, to see How absolutely necessary he is in my life. How he is so uniquely the the center of all history. The the center of all all that is. All civilization. All existence. That I will understand him to be as marvelous as he really is. That I will love everything about him. That I will love everything about him. I will love everything he claims to be. That I, will, that I will cling on to everything that he claims to do. That he, everything that he that he has said. You know that I that I not grow careless and say and and look at my own life and and compare myself with with those woke people or with those those weird charis, charismatic people or whatever. You know and say, well, at least where I'm on the right track. No, I want to that i want to be able to say that i still love you with all my heart passionately that i'm seeking after you even at this age and at, and being in this these circumstances and and being in this community and being in 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 uh in this time and time in history and our culture <clears throat> And anyway, i pray that in these Serious days, we have a passion uh, for the real Jesus of Scripture. For the real Jesus of Scripture, that we won't become so familiar with these gospels that we'll say, "Oh yeah, I read that. I've read that probably at least a hundred (laughs) times. I have read that." But that 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 the, the words will become alive to us. That the presence of Jesus will will be in these words through the Holy Spirit and that they will be affecting my life and that church will not just be routine and my Christianity will not just be routine but that I will have a passion to know the presence of the Lord through his word. That his resurrection will be That the the power that raised Jesus will be the same power that will be working in my life even now. So I pray that these serious days will have a a passion for the real Jesus. Next Sunday we want to look at the real Jesus, what the real Jesus taught and what he did, what he achieved. And I hope that um, the Lord today has spoken to your heart and that... uh, if anyone desires to pray today, to come to the altar and just to pray, I'd be glad to pray with you. I need, I need more prayer myself. But let's stand together. Would you stand with me, please? And let's stand together. And let's just, uh, as we close today, let's just focus our attention, our thoughts upon, upon the Lord. Um, Father, as we, as we think about uh, what your word has said to us today, as we think about the sign you gave to authenticate all the radicalness of your teaching the radicalness of who you are of what you what, you, what you've done, what, what you do Lord uh, as, we, as we see that, that, that's, that sign of your re- resurrection just simply authenticates everything, verifies that you really are who you claim to be God and man, the God-man, the unique person of all civilization that, that is the only way to eternal life and all the glories of your kingdom that we can experience. You're the only way that we can do that. But I pray today that each of us, no matter our age, that we will see the seriousness of the day we live in in that, although Lord, we, we're not old oh, fuddy daddies, Lord, we're not stuck in the mud, we're not grumpy and grouchy and all that, we're not because things look so dark, but Lord, just the opposite, we're, we're full of joy because we are so connected and to the real Christ, to the living Christ, that daily we're connected. Father, I pray that you help us just to, even when we falter and fail, that we'll just stop and say, praise the Lord for the gospel. It, uh, it, it saves me even now in my failure. It saves me even now in my sin. It saves me even now, Lord, in my discouragement. It's, a, it's an ongoing gospel, Father, that you've given us a, a power that we carry around with us. So we thank you for the good news of Jesus, that he died for us, and that he rose again for us as well. Oh, God, thank you for your work that you're, you're doing in each one of our hearts We pray that we'll just simply be open and ready for whatever you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for your kind attention. Have a wonderful day.